Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strife's Sanctum Podcast Reviews. My name is Citizen Strife. Uh, this week, we're going to dabble once again into Squaresoft and Square Enix. Um, one thing I noticed when I created the list of games that I was going to talk about was a lot of it was Final Fantasy. That's just because if you talk about RPGs in general, and that's really your focus, you're not going to get away from that. And I did start the podcast reviews with Final Fantasy 1, and... My biggest issue is overdoing Squaresoft stuff. I mean, I did Secret of Mana as well. I think that was number two. And then in the last few, I've actually been able to not focus on Squaresoft as much because I do want to space them out, especially with Final Fantasy being really big deals. I think it's their incumbent. Like, if I was going to do Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy X or something, like, I'd want them to mean a lot more or you know, space them out so it's not like every other episode or every third episode or whatever. The benefit is I have the anime uh, reviews supplementing that now, so I don't feel I need to do that. And it also helps that I have enough stuff, since I chose not to do solely RPGs, that I'll be able to talk about so much stuff that as long as I have enough content, it's like, well, every week I'll have something different to talk about. Case in point, this was one of the this was one of the episodes along with Tales of Berseria that I was trying to uh, line up guests for. That did not happen, but that doesn't stop it from being a potential later on. Um, I, I guess what I would say is like if we are able to do it, like it'll be more of a jokey episode, more of just shooting the shit about the game rather than what I would normally do, which is more of analytical perspective. But there is enough to analyze about Super Mario RPG, but still do it in a fun way. I don't think anybody's ever played it and not just been, like, enjoyed it. I think that's the one thing people will say about it. Whether they came from the Mario side of things or the Squaresoft side of things, I came from both. I played Super Mario World because everybody played Super Mario World because that was the launch title for the SNES. I mean, I played Mario 1, 2, and 3, sure, but Super Mario World was always my thing. I played Super Mario 2 Yoshi, or World 2 Yoshi's Island as well. I forget if that came out before. that. It came out around the same time. Um, 1995, 1996, very late in Squaresoft's um, and Super Nintendo's thing. But this was when Squaresoft and Nintendo were actually buddies. The story is kind of funny, and I'll talk about it now because that'll get into Final Fantasy VII's history and how they developed it. So way back, Squaresoft was, you know, well-known as the Final Fantasy guys by then. They'd had Final Fantasy... One, two, three, four, five on the on the Nintendo systems. They made uh, Super Mario. They made Super Mario RPG right after Super Mario. Uh, right after Final Fantasy VI. You can see where my head is at. Um, so Final Fantasy VI came out, and of course that's one of my favorite games. So imagine my surprise when they get tapped to do, hey, let's do an RPG, but let's do it with Mario characters. And let's make it almost like pseudo 3D kind of thing. So yeah, that's an interesting crossover. This is bef this is like long before Kingdom Hearts was even a thing, you know, Final Fantasy and Disney characters kind of thing. That was like five or six years down the road. So this was the first time something like this I think would have happened, at least on such a large scale. And to know that it's been a success and been something that stood the test of time is kind of amazing. Because then you remember that the PlayStation came out at that time. God, I feel old. Um, so the PlayStation comes out the year, I believe, before this even came out. This was one of the last games for the Super Nintendo, 1995, 1996, around there. F Squaresoft wanted to make Final Fantasy VII for the Nintendo 64. They found out that because they had all those cutscenes and they wanted to do all the crazy things that even they couldn't fit their stuff on it. So Nintendo wasn't super fond of it. Final Fantasy decided, nope, we're just going to go with Sony instead. And then, whoops. So they had bad blood for a while. They 
stopped since. I don't think Final Fun- I don't think SquareSoft really does as much with Nintendo because Nintendo does what Nintendo does. Um Final Fantasy tends to be like PlayStation and Xbox, but you'll get the the Switch lineup of like Bravely Default now or Octopath Traveler or that new Triangle Strategy game, stuff like that. But for that good 10 to 15 year period, there was just no interaction because of this gulf. So Super Mario RPG also ends up being this like, touchstone of this is back when squaresoft used to be like can't miss like i say i say stuff bad about like final fantasy 8 but even then it's like still enjoyable other than that and other than like chrono cross being eh, fun but meh like final fantasy couldn't fail squaresoft couldn't fail for those like five or ten years where they were just pumping out RPGs and a lot of them on Nintendo systems. So then you tell us, hey, we're going to have a Mario-based RPG. What is even, what is, what are they even going to do? What they ended up doing was creating the Mario RPGs, the Paper Mario RPGs. Paper Mario ended up being different because they weren't based on Square. They were based on Nintendo, but Final Fantasy leaves to do its own thing, Squaresoft leaves to do its own thing for Sony, people in Nintendo decided to make their own RPGs. And for better or for worse, the Paper Mario franchise has been pretty good. I haven't played a whole bunch, but I've watched a lot of them. Uh, People swear by Thousand Year Door. I played that one for sure. Um, I played Super Paper Mario, but I haven't played a whole bunch, so I can't really say whether they're better or worse, but a lot of people are like, it still has that spirit of what Super Mario RPG did. And then, of course, they would do the Mario and Luigi RPGs too, which is like, so so you still have this Mario IP that is literally untouchable at this point. I don't think it has the cachet of, oh my god, this is super fucking great like Zelda does. But Mario is untouchable he is basically jesus in video game form pretty much you can't like say bad things you can't say that it's just like it's mario it's always going to be there it's always going to work it's always going to be either like 2d fun or 3d fun and it just works so you cross over these things and then you've realized that super mario rpg was even better than the sum of its parts which is kind of crazy to think about um so when we get into that, we have to talk about how does Square make a plot line? Because Mario games to that point had just been Bowser kidnaps Peach. And I will use Peach even though in Super Mario RPG she's called Toadstool. I will call her Peach because that's just what is canon now. Um, so Bowser kidnaps Peach and Mario and Luigi end up saving her. How do you build a story around that? Well, what they decided to do was this crazy fuck-off sword from the sky comes in and just plunges itself right into Bowser's keep, right as Mario and Bowser are fighting, because of course they are. And Mario gets thrown away, Peach and Bowser get thrown off elsewhere, and that sword is just there. It stands there, it's menacing, it's a sword with a face on it, a face like a dog. I don't know why, but it it does. But it's there, and it's a problem, and Mario has to go and figure stuff out. So he goes to the Mushroom Kingdom, finds a couple people, finds the Chancellor, I guess, because there's no king. You know, the Chancellor's like, Good Mario, just save us, and all that shit. So you do the, you do the typical thing of Mario gets to figure out where Peach is, and he doesn't know, but he's going to go from place to place to place to place to place and do that. Is it an amazing story? No. It's a Mario story. It's not meant to be. I think people can can let stuff happen in Mario games and just be like, we're not expecting greatness. But the benefit is there that, aside from Mario being a silent protagonist, like, you don't need much to go on. You've got a place, you got some people, you got a story, because they built it up, and then you just go and you find people to help you out, and you keep on fighting Smithy's minions, the Smithy Gang. That's the name of the people in the, in the sword world, I guess. 
and your aim is to stop them from overrunning the world with weapons. And every boss is made of weapons, which is an interesting concept. They're basically mass-produced pieces of uh, weaponry, bows, knives, spears, all you name it, all of them. And it's just a crazy amount of stuff that Mario has to contend with. So, while he's doing that, he's finding these stars. And it is always stars. Let that never be said, even in the first RPG game. And then they've changed it. I like I think in the first game and in Paper Mario, like it was stars, and then they went ahead and it's like, is it gonna be orbs this time? Is it gonna be Wisp? Wait, that's Sonic. Are they gonna be eh, you know, you, they have to come up with contriving MacGuffins every time. It's like it's always stars, goddammit. It's always freaking stars. But hey, you got seven stars because Legend of the Seven Stars, right? You know, so you you get your way to Smithy and you get the seventh star. But along the way, you get more and then you just fight. The story is told via the other characters in the party. Mario himself doesn't talk much. But Mario still was like, he is that sort of silent protagonist who has that cachet of like, I'm Mario. Everybody knows what I look like. Everybody knows what I do. I don't complain. I don't moan. I mean, I have some instances where I'm going to, like, shake my fist at a kid because he's annoying or whatever, you know. But it's like, his way of expressing himself is something that I wish other protagonists would do. I've railed on silent protagonists forever, and everybody knows that about me. In Mario's case, the benefit is they use a lot of the Mario iconography and sound effects to at least give him something to go by. Like, he'll jump in the air, he'll, like, shake his fist or go wahoo, or he'll stare. Like, his his mode of, like, saying yes is to, like, stare up, like, 45-degree angle and raise his arms to the sky, or he'll use the peace sign. Like, he's expressive. I wish other uh, silent protagonists were near as expressive as that because the most you tend to get is like a speech bubble or a teardrop or something dumb at least in this game they gave him so much characterization by pretty much being a mime because everybody knows what he is he jumps he shoots fireballs he jumps he shoots fireballs he saves princess peach he punches bowser he threatens to punch kids have i mentioned that like early on in the game this kid is just like nagging on him he's like gino is my most powerful doll and it's like he has a mario doll with him and mario is like you know you know just it's kind of funny not in the not in the like whatever kind of way i think they play it for laughs too but it 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 is funny once you notice it you're just like was mario gonna do that (laughs) but but again they they get references to like bruce lee in this it's like it's like it's so stupid but it's so funny because it gives mario like that old school like i know what i am people know what i am let's just enjoy ourselves kind of thing and as stated mario is the well-rounded i kick everybody's ass i'm good at defending i'm good at attacking i'm good at you know throwing fireballs at people i'm good at jumping and you're not gonna go wrong with me because i'm always in the party so you know just enjoy it uh which kind of sucks because we got to talk about mallow next oh boy Hi, I'm Mallow, and I hate myself because I'm kind of squirrely. So Mallow is a tadpole, but he's obviously not a tadpole. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll level with you again. Like I don't think Mallow is that great. His whole story is he's a tadpole who's not a tadpole, which is obvious because he's a ball of clouds. He's like those cloud things that Lakitu rides on, but an actual person kind of thing. Um which is strange, but just go with it. So his story is, I'm going to find my parents because I was left, you know, that story, that Hercules, like thrown down the river kind of thing. Um, So that's his story. And what he brings to the table is he's able to heal people. Hooray. He's able to do full party damage with spells. Okay, that's better. Um, but much like Nina from Breath of Fire 3, which I arrived on when I played that game, his whole job doesn't really work in boss fights. He's got, like, one move that does a lot of damage, but he's really, um, he's 
hard to deal with. He's who you use if you want to try something slightly different. You want a harder game, you put the little puffball in, get his ass kicked all the time, basically. So his magic is, eh. His defense sucks. His character sucks, because he's the whiny, he's the crybaby, literally. His whole thing is like he can cry and it starts raining in the area, in the vicinity, and it's like, eh. Hope this isn't salty, but you know. Again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on anybody who likes Mallow, but it's pretty obvious that of the main party, he's not well liked. Contrast that to the next guy who people will not stop talking about even to this day, Gino. Uh, Gino, his whole thing is he's a person from the Star Road that the Smithy got blown, that Smithy blew up and sent the stars everywhere. So this. The star being pretty much um, showed up in the second town and said, I'm going to take this doll, this like wooden Pinocchio doll with like a mage outfit. He possesses it, learns how to use it, and then takes his star powers and his magic spells of absolute power and just wrecks face. Gino is a glass cannon. And unlike Mallow, like there's no like half and there's no half assing it. His job is to Gino boost the party, which is like full on support, like attack and defense up, and then just wreck face. You can throw a freaking disc that does nine nine thousand damage to certain enemies. You've got these one on one attacks, but most often he calls down these rainbows of light that just wreck face, or he even call he shoots out a sun. He shoots out I wish he called out the angry sun, but he doesn't. He calls out this gigantic sun thing from a from a cannon and it's it's fun. But he is a glass cannon. For all the damage he does, he doesn't take damage very well. So he's he's a bit of a uh, he's a bit of a liability in a wild card, but compared to Mallow, he is night and day. So he's way more powerful, he's way stronger, and he's pretty much good at all attack phases. He's good at attack, too. Not as good as the next guy that we'll talk about, but for for all the hype that Gino gets about the whole Super Smash Bros. thing, I think it has to do with the fact that he's just not a character that Nintendo can use too much because he is technically both a Nintendo property and a Squaresoft property, He's been used a couple of times. There's this weird um, online petition thing on like every forum ever that says put Gino in Smash. I don't do Smash, so I don't know. I don't care. What I will say is, as his character goes, he's the I'm going to save the world guy, and that's it. I think people care more about his moveset because, yeah, I'm sure in you know a fighting game instance, calling giant fucking rainbow lasers is a, is a good idea. So I can I can see why to this day, 25 years later, it still persists. Gino's good. He's better than Mallow, which is saying a lot. Um, or it's not saying much, but I mean, let's face it, he he's not the. He's the only original character other than Mallow. So you have to go like, Mallow, Gino. Mallow, Gino. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, you're going to pick Gino. And you're only going to pick Mallow if you want a harder <laughs> harder uh, difficulty, I guess. Because every person in the world is playing a Super Mario RPG thinking, well, do I get to play as Bowser? Do I get to wreck face? Yes, you do. You get to wreck all of the face because Bowser is hilarious. Bowser is the best pl- the best person in this game. He is the best character. That is just no... There is no debate. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Bowser is the best. The way they process Bowser is they've taken his aura of, you know, I'm always the big bad guy. I'm always going to be kicking Mario's butt right? They turn it on its head ever so slightly and he becomes a victim of his own circumstance because the Smithy gang has taken over his home, so he's kind of a goofball. He bridges the gap between the giant dinosaur mean guy who's intimidating and the sort of like soft-spoken, sad... 
sack goofball that wants to go Mario karting with with Mario or play tennis or baseball because he's portrayed as like almost of a surfer dude like i'm i'm super awesome man i know what i'm doing like i swear i swear i know what i'm doing it's like but they, they took me out of my home i want my privacy damn it you know that sort of thing and he's still got this like aura of this gigantic guy because everybody's afraid of him but then you meet him, and then it's like he cares for his subordinates, and then it's like, but I don't really care. And it's like he says, "Well, yeah, I think it'd be great if if I could take Princess Peach." And I was like, "But you're telling me Mario can always save it?" It's like, "What the fuck? I'm 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 torn. This is awful." You, you know. So you have this like dual, this. The aura of Bowser meets the reality of Bowser, and he can't handle it, and is played for laughs, and is the best part of this game, which is helped by the fact that in battle, he does one thing. He smacks face. And sometimes, he even throws Mario. He'll... He'll, one of his weapons is he'll just yank Mario in, in, into the air and just chuck him. He'll just yeet them into the enemy's face. And and sometimes he'll do it twice. Uh, so, yeah, he'll just, he'll just smack. He'll use a chain chomp and smack. He'll throw Mario and smack. He'll use magic and suck. And his stat base sucks. <laughs> like, the the way the game works is that you build stats as you level up. And everybody can get anywhere from like two to three to five points per level or even like 10 HP. Bowser doesn't do that. He gets at most one strength or one magic attack or one HP because his HP is already super high to begin with. So it's like, do I really want to use these shitty spells for the novelty or do I just want to keep smacking dude? So you end up just taking it in strength anyway. Um, his spells are kind of funny though because they, they're like a big fuck off poison cloud they're a boo that scares people um this gigantic stone but uh, his best one that costs a shit ton of fp is this just this mecha koopa thing from super mario world just crushing things it's, it's just the best so every time i play this game i have the party i like using and i think you know which party i like using some people like to use Gino as a change of pace i'm a bowser guy I'm always going to be a Bowser guy because the game is on Bowser's side. It is always on Bowser's side, and it tries so hard, and it succeeds. So who's the last party member? Well, if you're getting Bowser, it would make it would stand to reason that Princess Peach or Princess Toadstool would be there. And yes, she is. And she is, aside from Mario, the mandatory party member. Because I talked about Mallow having some heals and... Yeah, no. Princess Peach is a healer. She can heal one person. Her next skill heals everybody. She can heal up to full for like four FP if she wants. She can bring people back to life, which can happen because some of the enemies hit hard as fuck. Um, and just for shits and giggles, her last move is a she just chucks a she chucks a grenade in the air or a bomb in the air and it just bleh, just blows people away. It does some damage, but her whole thing is she heals. She's great at healing. But if you want to get a little randy and just say, okay, I, I, I've slapped people. I've hit people with parasol and a fan. What, what, what A frying pan, you say. So yes, later on in the game, if you want to, you could just whack people with a frying pan. And it actually hurts. So Peach is, is mandatory. I, unless you're unless you're specifically trying to have a hard time, um, Peach is mandatory. Mario is mandatory. So it all comes down to: Do you want Mallow for a hard time? Do you want Gino to kick sh kick the shit out of people and any every possible? Or do you want Bowser to come in and every time? I tend to have every time, but you know, I I think what it comes down to is it's Bowser Bowser versus Gino. Gino is a little harder to control because he's a little less defensive, but. He's better at magic defense, at least. Bowser completely sucks, but he has way more HP, so it offsets. Um, but those are your five characters, and they do their thing in a battle system that really helps the um, RPG 
um, the turn-based RPG style quite a bit because it makes it a little bit of an engagement every single battle in the form of timed hits. So in a, in a turn-based battle system, you take your turn, you do your move, and you wait for the enemy to attack you or you attack them. As you attack an enemy, if you hit the right button at the right time, you can do more damage or you can heal more HP. Or if the enemy hits you, you can put your arms up or you can block and either take some damage or no damage. So it adds a dynamic element to the game where you're always in a fight and you don't have to press X to win because you actually, you know, they're easy. I'm not going to lie. This game is super easy, especially if you get some of the end game weapons, but you're always asked to be engaged with it. You're always asked to do something, whether it's defending or attacking. And, you know, most spells and stuff, I don't think you need to worry about that. They auto-trigger, so they're not going to be defended, but sometimes they are. So you have to be aware of what the enemy's doing, how the animation is, and when you hit the move, because that's going to save more damage. That's going to do more damage, or that's going to save you some HP in the long run. So it, it helps. The other cool thing with the equipment is everybody gets, like, three or four different types of weapons. So, like I said, Mario gets his punches he gets to kick a shell at people he gets to use hammers so you can just bonk people with hammers but you can also use his fire spells or jump attacks uh which i'll get into later because they're their own separate thing uh mallow gets his weak ass like i'm a i'm a cloud but i can punch you with my clouds or i can hit you with some symbols like you know that sound effect sonic wave kind of thing um gino uses weapons in like his arms you know he'll shoot his arms out at people bowser like i said just yeets mario's into people and then peach will just whack people with frying pans so every different weapon type as you level up you get three or four different animations depending on the weapon that you get at that time it's a standard progression still and unless it's like really specific like one or two instances in the game you're never going to be like oh which weapon's better doesn't matter it's going to have higher stats so um the instance where it does change is when you get the lazy shell equipment. You can get a lazy shell armor and a lazy shell weapon. Lazy shell weapon, big, big freaking shell. Mario kicks it, does insane damage. Bar none. The lazy shell takes away all of your attack power in lieu of giving you endless defense. There's also a special equipment called, I believe it's the super suit, which is the mario's variation of it so even better than the lazy shell without that issue of taking his attack power down but if you take on that lazy shell you're never going to take damage so you have to go through a lot of rigmarole to find it but you also don't die because of it so you give that to peach and it's like oh game's over i'm good <laughs> as long as you have enough to enough to heal them you're good um the one thing i will say and this I think they balanced it well, but I also don't know if I like this system, is the FP system. In most games, everybody has their own pool of spells, whether it's a and d style like spell slot system, like in Final Fantasy 1 or 3, or MP, which is what most people use. MP, AP, SP, that kind of thing. In this game, it's party-wide. The enemies have their own FP system, which ends up being kind of funny because they can run out. Even some of the higher end bosses can run out of their FP if you wait long enough. But the party itself has full on FP. And if Mario's too busy using his ultra jumps, then that takes like 15 or 20 AP or FP from Peach who needs to heal for four. She can heal the party for four FP, which is a bit nuts, you know, so they they balanced it and yet they didn't balance it because peach can pretty much run on auto heal every single turn if she needs to but if you want to chuck a bomb at an enemy and feel like it for sure um i'd say if you have gino in the party or if you're really good at the jumping techniques you're gonna use those higher end spells to clear mobs uh mala's the same way he's a mob killing machine um but they balance it in the sense that you only get about 60 to 70 FP per game. And it will run out pretty quickly. So you have to use flower boxes, flower jars, flower points, that sort of thing. Um, 
the one thing I will give Mallow credit for is this thing called Psychopath, which not only reveals enemy HP like a scan spell, it will also reveal these inner thoughts of characters. Characters, bosses. I, I don't know any of them off the top of my head, but the stuff that the English translators got away with saying in this is like, I'm a water baby. Or it's like, I'm coming for you. And, you know, stuff like... It, it's some, uh, some of it gets really stupid. Like, some of it doesn't even matter. Like, one of the bosses is like, my promotion's at stake. And it's like, it, it's meant for comic relief. But if you go ahead and, like, scan every single person, you get these, like, weird talking points. Um, so that's the one reason you would use Mallow is to figure out how much HP an enemy has. And then, you know, the problem is you can't switch him out. So it is something you want to look up just for the hilarity of it. But other than that, I don't know if Mallow's all that special, but let's get to the jump techniques, shall we? Jumping is fun. Uh, Mario's jumps come in three flavors. You've got jump, super jump, and ultra jump. So the way jump works is it's one jump and it has its own separate counter. I think jump is called an element in this game, but I don't know how that would work. Maybe it's blunt. I don't know. But jump is considered its own element. But jump, as a, mi as a move, you do it and it will, const it will constantly tick up damage. And in a game where... They don't do the thousands and tens of thousands of HP numbers. They only do the smaller, smaller, smaller numbers. Every one little tick can add up. So if you use the jump command a lot, near the end of the game, that thing can do upwards of like 200 to 300 damage for like 3 FP, which is nothing. And it will keep increasing depending on how often you use it. So along with the fire spells that can attack fire, you know, for fire element... Uh, super jump is he'll jump in the air and you know you hear sound effect and you time it right he'll jump up back in the air and jump back up in the air so it's you have to keep pressing that button and he'll just keep jumping and keep jumping and keep jumping and there's actually a mini game in there where if you get 30 I think you get in a it's what is it it's not the attack scarf because that's jinxes you get something you get something special. It could be the attack scarf. It could, I think Jinx Bell is its own thing. I think I'm going to say attack scarf. I could be wrong. But you get the attack scarf at 30. And then that's a high end skill. It raises Mario's attack, which is good. If you get 100, which is unheard of, you can get the super suit, which, as I've said, is end game absolute armor. So, so yeah. Um,. The super jump is fun. The ultra jump, you could do the same thing, but it's a little harder because you can attack every enemy. So Mario can attack one enemy and all enemies, depending on how much you want to use your FP for. So jump mechanics are really fun. Um, they even do the thing where you have to avoid jumping on spiked enemies because it'll hurt him unless you have something called jump shoes. They they, they, they put a lot of effort into these little equipment and skill sets and things. I think, like, other Paper Mario games go into way more detail. But as a start for all this, they thought of a lot of ways to keep you engaged in a, in a, in a battle. Especially against enemies where you fought again and again and again. So it's really cool. And I really like this battle system. It's not a hard game, but it does make you think sometimes. And it's always fun. Uh, let me get a drink of water here for one second. There we go. Ah, so the music in this game is really good. And it is some of the weirder ones you'd ever hear. Most like RPGs, you get that like sweeping orchestral score and like... This is the serious moment. This is the you're on an adventure moment. This is a whimsical tale of fun. You still get your good songs here and there, 
but they mixed a lot of NES and SNES Mario stuff with this like really bouncy, like, I don't know what you call it, reggae, like just popish kind of like island pop, you know, it, it sounds like a Mario game would sound in an RPG setting. And you can thank uh, the composer Yoko Shimomura for that. Uh, Shimomura was a high-end composer and still is to this day. Um, this, I think this was her first major game that she did, but she went on to do stuff like Legend of Mana, Kingdom Hearts, and Final Fantasy XV. So she knows what she's doing. And this is so f- so vastly different from something like this. Uh, Legend of Mana is like a storybook and an adventure come to life. It's like this weird, sweeping, vast score, sort of mysterious, sort of fun, sort of you know whimsical and dance and fanciful. This is just her just having some fun with some like beeps and boops, but still making something work. <clears throat> Sorry, my uh, voice is starting to crack a little bit. Um, but again, she does put in a lot of nods to NES past. You get uh, the dungeon theme more than anything. Uh, at Mario's pad, you get like a variation of some Mario themes. They even have this thing in Booster Tower, which I'll get to, where Mario turns into his NES self, and then they do the beep boop 8-bit version stylized into Super Mario RPG. So they throw all these little nods to Mario's past, but the music itself for the other areas is just as good. Uh, I think the song that everybody talks about is the forest maze. Uh, second dungeon, pretty much second story dungeon is a forest. And it's like beware the wild mushrooms or something like that. I think that's what the name of it is. It's a really fun, like dark, mysterious, but fun. And I, I use the word whimsical a lot just cause it's, that's what that vibe is. Um, you get booster tower, uh, Booster Tower, the way that works is this guy has Peach suspended up in this gigantic tower, right? And uh, this dude is just this crazy, maniacal, like, he's not a human, he's not a monster, he's just, ah, I'm Booster, you know, and he's just having fun. He turned his tower into an amusement park with all these blocks and trains, and he, he plays with dolls and all this weird stuff with these sniffets, and it's just like, I I don't know. It's just meant for fun. Even though it's like a story dungeon. So Booster ha- has a suitable theme. It's this this crazy like higher end pitched horn noise. I don't want to get in trouble. But yeah, it's just like just, just like theme park. Think of like a theme park if they had a bunch of horns blowing and it's just this crazy like um just I'm just having fun. Um, so anytime Booster's on the screen, it's meant to be taken not seriously at all because Booster himself is just, I don't know what crying is. I don't know what cake is. I don't know what this is. It's just it's just dumb. It's just dumb fun. Um, there is a boss that is a super boss. Might as well just mention it right away. And I told you about nods to Mario's past, but what about nods to Final Fantasy's past? Funny enough, there's a boss that is not connected to Final Fantasy IV at all named Cullix. But when you fight him, all of his ephemera, his enemies alongside him, are crystals. His battle theme is the Final Fantasy IV boss theme. And if you have never heard the Final Fantasy IV boss theme, I would suggest you fix that right now because that's one of the best themes in the in the series history, uh, bar none. Uh, but yeah, it's basically Final Fantasy IV all over. You beat him and you get the, the prelude theme. He fights with crystals that do tons of fuck-off damage. And you hear the Final Fantasy IV boss theme redone in this just tremendous variation. And it's so much fun. And that fight is pretty difficult. It's meant to be the most difficult in the game, but if you can beat him, you can beat Smithy. And I will mention Smithy himself. The final boss theme, um, the he has two forms, but um, 
both themes are great in their different ways. Uh, one of like the first one is this like techno groove, like the, it's like a clown has a techno beat kind of thing, and it's it's just this this cool like techno uh, dark theme. But then when shit gets serious, it gets super serious, and the final boss hits, and the final boss theme is this awesome just super awesome baseline. It's got some cool instrumentation and shit here and there, but it is a bass theme. It is a baseline that kicks all the ass. Think of the Final Fantasy uh baseline that you hear whenever it's like the opening of a battle, but so much better, right? Just what they did with that is so good and it makes fighting the final boss even though it's an arduous thing fun because that theme plays the entire time and it's so good. Um, let's see here. I talked before about, uh, Booster, and I was disappointed that Booster only gets about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of screen time. Uh, there's a section in the game where he kidnaps Princess Peach and wants to force it, force her to marry him, which is strange, uh, but not out of, not unheard of, because this is Mario we're talking about, um, but the segments with Booster are hilarious. And then he runs up the fucking hill and runs away. And he goes into this Mary Moore section. And the Mary Moore section has this, like... I- I'm shocked nobody, no other game has done this. But they've had this full-on, like, five-star hotel. Where if you pick the five har- five-star hotel option, you can just fuck around with a bellhop. You can give him tips. You can take a shower and Mario will whistle the Mario theme. Um, It's just fun. Like you get to beat up a cake. You get to beat up this giant monster cake. It's just, why didn't you have more of it? I, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, if you're left wanting more than it's done its job rather than it gave you too much and it never never stopped happening but to me i wish they'd had they'd kept booster going forever the most you get with booster after that is some scenes with some other characters later on in the game and it's kind of it's fine but i wanted more booster like you get a bunch of bowser too but man booster's so cool um the Worst part of the game is Land's End. Uh, this is in the fifth to sixth uh, star area. It's the connecting bridge to the sixth star. And it's boring. I'm not saying that they don't do a lot with it. I'm saying that it's endless. One of my main problems with this game is that for all the fun that the levels are, the connecting areas are annoying because they don't really do anything. They're mer- They're there to help you level up. And I get the potential uh, annoyance of um, shouldn't you have connecting areas? Like, shouldn't you like where does one place logically end and where does the other begin? I I, I give Super Mario RPG credit for having connecting areas, but I believe it happens way too often. A lot of the times when they have a connecting area, like to a dungeon or to another town. It's there simply to level up, but it's the same settings you've ever seen. It's the mountain area, it's the the forest area, it's the grassland area, it's the same thing. And outside of maybe one or two things of dialogue, there's no story to be had. So then you get to Land's End, which story-wise makes sense because you're trying to go up into the clouds in the sky. Well, how do you get there? Cool. Doesn't stop it from taking the game and throwing it in the bin for about half an hour while you're trying to get there. You have a cool boss fight in a separate part of it. And and I will give them credit for at least making the areas, you know, color differently and acting differently. And it connects to Monstro town, which is a cool, small little village filled with monsters and stuff. But other than that, as a, as a place, as its own dungeon, it's really annoying to get through, excuse me. So, of all places in the entire game, like, even the final dungeon isn't as long, or is as long as that. But it has it has bosses, right? It has bosses to, to justify being this 
final dungeon. You're near the end. And Land's End, you're like, well, I just want to get to the sixth area. It makes you work for it, but it's still, like, when you're replaying it, it kind of gets you annoyed a little bit. And the last thing, Mallow, just as a person, he sucks. Like, he, he's a crybaby, he's a whiner, he sucks in battle. He just sucks. I mean, I, I don't like him. I don't know anybody who does like him other than to feel sad for him that he's not as well regarded as Gino. But, I mean, they designed him to be kind of half and half, like half healer, half mage, and it doesn't work because every character's better than he is. He's not the fun character to be around. He's he's the tails to Mario Sonic, right? And... <sighs> You know who would have been better? You know who would have been better? Luigi. They don't give you Luigi. They give you they give you Yoshi to ride around on for a little bit. You get Yoshi to be in a in a battle here and there. Luigi's nowhere to be found. He shows up in the end of the game to conduct the fucking ending march parade. You're telling me Luigi couldn't have done that? You're telling me Luigi couldn't have been a jump guy and a heel guy or a mage or something? Like, yeah, it would step on Mario's toes a little bit, but it's also like, this is a Mario RPG, and it always seems like Luigi gets shit on, even in his own games. And it's like, why? Or you could have had Luigi in Mallow's place. Or you could have had a sixth party member and put Luigi in there. You know, make Luigi even more of a jack-of-all-trades than Mario, but have some different spells or something. Maybe like ice or something, because ice is something that Mala does. Eh. I mean, Mala does heals, doesn't stop Peach from healing more. You know, that sort of thing. They could have found a way to justify Luigi being in that fucking game. That being said... I'm I'm getting angry again. <coughs> Sorry. But again, that's why I do the negatives first. I always do the negatives first because I like to coast to the positives because the positives are very good. For all the annoyance of not having Luigi in the party, you get Bowser and you get Peach. What's not the love? I said before, Bowser is what carries this game. It carries the comedy. It carries the fun. He's played like a complete doofus. Um... Like, if Jack Black plays him anywhere, if he's written anywhere close to as good as he is in this game, I will have no reservations about that movie. Because I guess that's what they were going for when they chose... I mean, I don't want to get into the movie thing. I'll review it when I review it, but whatever. This Bowser is what Bowser should be. He has the aura to everyone else that he is this super maniacal dangerous dinosaur and he has his moments but he's played like a complete oblivious moron who just wants to be alone who just wants to be a pal with his friends and his his, his keep the the dichotomy of his character is the fun part of this game because he's so good um and the story i mean the story is nothing to write home about but it doesn't have to be nothing's really left a chance even in a game like this where it didn't have to it didn't have to tell you anything uh, the characters really didn't need to tell you anything but i think they gave you enough of that final fantasy storytelling which in um i'm not saying final fantasy is ever perfect even in say final fantasy 6 or final fantasy 4 or 5 but that era of storytelling shone through with a little bit of uh extra you know, just Western-style goofiness because uh, uh, it was not meant to be a Japanese-style game. It had a lot of Westernization in there with the translation, so they played a lot of, like, goofiness with that story. So it's meant to be a fun, engaging story. It's meant to be 15 to 20 hours. There's a few side quests here and there. There's a few hard boss fights here and there, but it's meant to be a fun ride. I think anybody who's ever played Super Mario RPG or has anybody's heard of it will know that this is one of the best games of that system. And even now, Paper Mario games tend to sit there and go, I wish I was this good. You know, some of them get there, but as a whole, I don't know if they have nearly the 
carte blanche, and it could be nostalgia talking. This is a game that celebrated its 25th anniversary this year. But this is coming from Nintendo could do no wrong. Square Enix and Squaresoft, well, Squaresoft at the time, could do no wrong. You had these two powerful forces coming together with this crossover idea, which makes absolutely no sense, but worked to absolute perfection in almost every way for what they were trying to achieve. Um, This is like one of the top RPGs of all time, much less top SNES RPG. It's in the conversation as like top five RPGs of all time. That's counting most of the Final Fantasy games. That's counting the Persona games. That's counting any of the Mana games or like Lufia 2 or Chrono Trigger. All of those games, that's, that's how good Square was. They had Final Fantasy they had Chrono Trigger, and then they had Super Mario RPG, all in the span of like two, three years. And then you add Secret of Mana on top of that. It's like, that's why I'm so fond of that stuff. That's why I am who I am these days, is because those games were just back to back to back, hitting you every single year without fail. And Super Mario RPG is one of those ones that if you get a chance to play it, it's on the SNES Classic. Um, It's definitely, if you can find an emulated version, go for it if you want to. I would just get the SNES Classic version. It works just as as well. Watch a stream of it. Just, Just watch it. Just play it. It is something special. Super Mario RPG proved that a, that a crossover that makes absolutely no sense can work. And they just need to give you a little bit of the best of both worlds. And that is something that a lot of crossovers can manage, but don't manage to this level of quality. So I would definitely stress playing this game at least once to just revel in how good it is. But that'll do it for me today. Uh, this I think this was a good, a good longer podcast. I don't know. I've been averaging around half an hour to about an hour, sometimes longer than an hour. Um, but yeah, as far as schedule goes, let's see. Next week is the Big O, so that's gonna be Anime Batman. That should be interesting. Funny because I haven't even watched it in the longest time. I tried to watch it on on a streaming service. And they only have the first season. Boo. But don't fret because I have all the knowledge in my head. I've watched it about five or ten different times. So I'm pretty sure I'll know how to talk about it. Uh, The week after, uh, Metacon highlights. I've already got my schedule set up. I've got my guest list set up. So I'll be able to talk about going to my first convention in about two or three years since COVID's kind of messed with everything. Uh, But... Uh, that should be really fun. And then at the end of this month will be Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uh, I played it on my channel. It's one of the best Castlevania games, usually considered the best Castlevania game, or at least one of the best uh, Metroidvania games because it's the one that started that craze. I'm a big Metroidvania guy as opposed to the classical Castlevanias, but I will talk about all of them when I get a chance. But that should be the schedule going forward. But I will see everybody else next time. Citizen Strive, signing off.